Welcome to our monthly recollection. You can think of a recollection as a mini-retreat that lasts for one hour and a half. St. Jose Maria, the founder of Opus Dei, recommended setting aside a time for recollection every month. He knew that these moments of intimacy with God are essential for our spiritual life. Before we begin, two pieces of advice. First, if possible, find a place where you can be offline and at peace for a couple of hours. A nearby church, a public park, or a quiet room in your house. Second, you will listen to talks and meditations, but the real recollection unfolds in the silence of your heart. Feel free to pause this podcast at any moment to confide your thoughts and feelings to Christ. This recollection will begin with a meditation, a time of prayer led by a priest. Without further ado, let's get started. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. <clears throat> I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me, and that you converse with me. We tend to think of prayer as our talking to you, Lord, our talking to God. Of course, it's just as much our listening to you. And we identify with the prayer of the youthful Samuel in the Old Testament. He's instructed by the priest Eli to respond to God when God calls him. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for you, for we are listening to you. What was it like to listen to you, to listen to Jesus? We, we find out by going into the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 13. That day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and a great crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat there and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they 
had not much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Think of it as the keynote parable. It sets the it sets the stage for all of the parables that will come and that will follow more than 30, 35 or so. He just tells these stories, puts them out there and and leaves it up to you and to me to draw our conclusions. The parable of the sower describes four reactions to the words of Jesus. First reaction is that of the hard top, the soil, well, it's the rock, the, the path, the seeds fall along the path and they can't, they can't penetrate. And uh, it's like seeds falling on this hard floor, which nothing's going to happen. And um, this is a way of people who just simply have no interest in God or in the soul or in, in their, you know, what is the ultimate meaning of their life? And then there is the seed that falls on rocky soil. And in this way, Jesus describes people who have a kind of superficial reaction to his words. It's a condition that that can affect all of us. Is superficiality, shallow, both in terms of the will, in terms of the mind, a lack of depth. And then there is the seed that falls among the thorns, the the weeds that grow up that sort of choke it and keep it from yielding any fruit. And finally, the good soil that yields 60 or 100-fold or 30-fold. And um, the question we have here is, what is it that makes the soil good? What is it that separates this this uh, 
this kind of fourth category of people that separates them from the others. What's it, what is it that makes it good soil rather than rocky soil or soil that is infested with, with weeds? And the obvious answer, to me it's obvious, is, is that, well, that the good soil, the fruitful soil has been cultivated. It has been, you know, rocks have been removed, stumps, weeds, it's been fertilized, it's been enriched. Um, and what do we call that in, in uh, terms of a person's spiritual life? That cultivation, it's called formation. It's a word that is generally used, formation. There's a, there's a, um, an author in the story by Willa Cather, written at the beginning of the 20th century about the prairie, the, uh, the pioneers who settled in the Nebraska Territory. And um, she describes how many of those people who were, came from cities in the Midwest like St. Louis or Chicago, they went out to this new territory when it opened up because they had this promise of, of free land. But when they when they experienced the harshness of the winter and when their efforts to raise crops didn't, didn't pan out because gophers would come and eat the seeds that they planted or the, the they gave up. They went back to their, or many of them did, they went back to St. Louis or to Chicago, wherever it was that they came from. But there were some people who, who had faith in the land who didn't know it, but they, they maybe they had a kind of an intuition that they were sitting on this tremendous topsoil, fruitful. And uh, they stuck it out over those first few harsh winters and what they were able what they what they experienced in time was the the fruitfulness of what turns out to be the breadbasket of not only of the country but of much of the world this is the good soil that yields 100 fold or 60 fold or 30 fold which is the the result, the product of of formation. If we allow ourselves to be cultivated, to be formed, we can have that kind of fruitfulness in our 
own individual lives. There's another parable about following up on the parable of the the sower, also in the same chapter 13 of St. Matthew's Gospel. Another parable he put before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then has it weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat also with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So this is a parable that describes conditions that we are familiar with, that um, our Lord, the sower, the church, the church which is Christ, the sower, sows good seed. But then all of a sudden these weeds appear. Where do they come from? Remember, oh, back 15 or 20 years ago, we had this famous crisis in the church. And uh, it was kind of a breakdown in the priesthood and sex scandals and all kinds of horror stories. And I remember reading a, an article by, at the time, an article by a professor at the Harvard Law School named Marianne Glendon. And her analysis of the situation was quite simple. She said, this is a question of formation. There's been a breakdown in formation. It hasn't been there. It hasn't been happening. And uh, until that sort of is corrected, rectified, we are going to have this this type of crisis. Because the fact is that we all need to be taught. We all need to be formed. We all need to be formed, not simply when we are young, when we are children, but we need to be formed throughout our entire life, all life long. It's not just a matter of abstract ideas or theories, 
teachings, but the, the will has to be formed as well. The mind and the will need to be, need to be taught, reshaped. And our Lord Jesus is, St. John says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, the truth, the truth made flesh. He says, come to me and I will teach you. We try to take advantage of these moments of prayer, of, of uh, recollection, of these uh, means of personal formation until we turn to go back to Jesus. And the way that we go back to him is one way that is recommended is go to Mary. We go to Jesus through Mary and we go back to Jesus when we have drifted away. We go back to him through Mary. Uh, and that is uh, where we can conclude this, this personal moment of prayer in which we have talked about our need of formation our need to listen to what Jesus has to tell us. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Am I like the footpath where the seed doesn't penetrate? Well, yes, sometimes I am. Am I like the rocky soil it doesn't have any depth. Yes, I'm superficial like that too. Or am I like the soil that is cluttered with all kinds of growth, weeds? Yes, it's distractions. And could I also be good soil that yields 100 or 60 or 30 fold? Yes. I can, I can, you can. But it requires cultivation, it requires formation. I need to let myself be taught. I need to be formed. Let's go to Mary and through Mary we will go to Jesus. Come to me and uh, And he will, he will teach us, he will instruct us, he will lead us as the Good Shepherd. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've given to me in this time of prayer. I ask your help for putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Now we are going to listen to a talk given by a layman that addresses a very practical aspect of our Christian life. Good evening. Uh, my name is John Coverdale. Uh, I'm a retired law professor. I've been a member of Opus Dei for about 62 years now. 
And I've been asked to talk in this evening recollection about what we at least used to call spiritual direction. Uh, in more recent times, I think uh, people have moved away from that word, maybe thinking that it didn't sufficiently reflect the the freedom that is always essential in the spiritual life. Uh, and so they use terms like spiritual accompaniment. I'll probably mostly talk about spiritual direction simply because the, the words easier to use uh, makes things a, a little less awkward. And also, I think in some sense, it, it reflects a different aspect of what is involved. Uh, it's not simply accompaniment in the sense of somebody who cheers you up and listens to your difficulties. It's also somebody who tries to point out to you the direction you should be going, uh, where God wants you to go. So in any case, whatever the term we use, uh, our spiritual life is, of course, primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who has to inspire us, to help us to see what it is that God wants of us, the path he wants us to take at any given moment. But the Holy Spirit often acts through human agencies. He certainly acts through the Pope and through the bishop. Uh, for those of us who are members of Opus Dei, he acts through the prelate and the other directors of Opus Dei who give us indications about how we ought to be trying to live in any given moment. Uh, and whether or not you're in Opus Dei, he probably would like you to have someone who can give you a direction, who can give you orientation in your spiritual life. Uh, and we see that even in the in the Acts of the Apostles, right? In that dramatic moment when God intervenes in Saul's life and knocks him to the ground. Uh, we usually say off his horse. Actually, the Acts don't say anything about a horse. I think painters liked the horse. It made the thing more dramatic. But whether he was on a horse or he was walking, he was struck to the ground. He was struck blind. God spoke to him. But God didn't tell him everything he wanted him to do. He told him that he should go to the city and a man named Ananias will tell you what you should do. Okay, So we see even right there, even in that moment in which the Holy Spirit is acting in a particularly dramatic and particularly uh, striking way, nonetheless, he doesn't neglect to point out to Paul that some other human being is going to help him see what he should be doing. So I think more and more we in recent years have seen the need for people to help us in various aspects of our life. Uh, we see the need for uh, perhaps a physical trainer, uh, perhaps a, a coach of some sort, uh, I read a couple of years ago a very interesting article by a, a top surgeon at Harvard Medical School who said that his statistics, 
over the years kept getting better and better. But then at a certain point, he plateaued, and they weren't getting any better. And he said, well, what can I do? And he said, well, professional athletes have coaches, and other people have coaches. And so he asked some other surgeon to come into the operating room and watch him and give him orientation about, I think, often very little things. Uh, he told him at one point, you know, you have your elbows up. And that makes it harder to be really steady. It'd be better you put your elbows down. And his statistics began to improve again. So if for things like that, we feel the need to look for guidance uh, from other people, well, how much more in the most important thing, which is our effort to draw closer to God, okay? So, uh, it's very good to have someone who can give us advice, who can uh, help us to see what God may be asking of us. So what's the object then? Of, or what is spiritual guidance, spiritual direction? Is our seeking out on some regular basis a person that we talk to and whose advice we seek? Huh? Okay. And what's its object? Well, it's, it's our spiritual life, our interior life, we might call it, and our apostolate. So in the work, we encourage people, you've probably been encouraged to have a plan of life, some set of spiritual practices that you try to do on a regular basis, perhaps going to Mass a certain number of times a week, perhaps setting aside some time for personal mental prayer, maybe in front of the Blessed Sacrament, maybe just in your room, but setting aside some time for prayer, maybe saying the Rosary, etc. Okay. Well, those things are certainly things we ought to be talking about. Uh, first of all, are we doing them? <laughs> are we doing them? regularly. Are we doing them at the time that we've set, that we said we we're going to do them? Uh, and are we trying really to put our heart into them? Are we trying to make them moments of conversation with God, not just we check the box, yes, I, I, I read this book or I said the rosary. Well, that's good, certainly better than not doing it. But did I really try to talk to God, uh, to be with him? How did that go? What were, the, what were the difficulties? What were the obstacles that I, that I encountered? And we might ask advice about, well, how could I pray better, for instance? What, what might I do when I find that I'm so concerned about something at work that that seems to be the only thing I can think about, and that just keeps coming back over and over again. And also our effort to bring other people closer to God. First of all, is that a reality in my life? Am I trying to do something to bring my relatives, my friends, the people I work with, to bring them closer to God? And what is it? Do I pray for them? Do I offer hours of work for them? Do I offer mortifications for them? 
do I try at least occasionally to talk with them about God and about the things of the of the spiritual life, depending on their circumstances, what's appropriate for one person won't be appropriate for another. But what what am I trying to do in that regard? And am I consistent in it? Uh, I think an important point that I'd like to go into in a little bit more detail is what about our work? Huh? Well, we ought to talk about our work insofar as it's a large part of what we're trying to sanctify and which, and which should sanctify us, right? And so do we offer our work to God? Do we try to do it as well as we possibly can because it's something we're offering to God? Uh, do we try to have a presence of God during our work? Uh, do we maybe put a crucifix down on the desk or have something that comes up on the on the home screen of the computer that helps us to turn to God for a moment during our work. Those kinds of things. Uh, our work as a technical production is not the object of spiritual direction. The spiritual director has no special lights to help us to decide whether to do X or Y, to take this job or to take that other job, etc. Um, and we have to, I think, be careful that we don't use up the time that we've allotted for talking with the spiritual director and end up talking about our work and how that's going and whether we're going to get a promotion, that sort of thing. Now, one thing that's extraordinarily important if this is going to do any good huh? is that we have to try to be sincere. Okay, We have to try to let ourselves be known as we really are, not as we like to be, but as we really are. And so we really have to fight against the temptation to skip over things that maybe make us look bad to put things in a put a spin on things to try to make them look a little bit better uh, than they really were. Uh, St. Jose Maria used to talk about somebody who goes to the doctor and so the doctor says well you know take off your clothes and the person said well I don't want to do that. He said well you ought to go to a veterinarian or something not to a doctor. Okay. And similarly, you know, we kind of wasting both our own time and the time of the person that we're talking with if we're not really sincere, if we don't really talk about the important things that have happened in our life. Some of them may be bad, some of them may be embarrassing, uh, but we're not going to get anywhere if we skip over those kinds of things. And this is something we need to ask God's help with. We need to pray for the grace to, to really be sincere, to really be open, to really say things as they are. Huh? You know, to call huh, things by their proper name, not you know, gloss over them. Not talk about how 
somebody else is really responsible for it. You know, it's really, yes, I, I really lost my temper. But let me tell you what my wife did. <laughs> well, it's probably, this is not about your wife's improving her spiritual life. It's about you're improving yours. Okay, so, so sincerity in that regard and really trying to say things as they are. A final point I'd like to just look at briefly is kind of, well, who should I seek out for this? Okay. Well, first of all, it can be, can be and often will be a priest. That's fine. But that's not essential. It's not necessary that the person be a priest. What is important, what is essential, is that it be someone who is himself trying to lead a spiritual life, trying to come closer to God, uh, trying to put into practice uh, the things that bring one closer to God. And you might say, well, how do I know that? <laughs> well, in a certain sense, it's a guess. Huh? In a certain sense, you don't know for sure. But I think in a certain sense, you can, you can tell. Huh? You know, if you deal with someone a little bit, you can see what kind of person they are. Is this someone who's really trying to live the virtues uh, or perhaps not? Okay. And also somebody that you hit it off with in one way or another. Okay, you don't, huh? Uh, somebody can be a wonderful person, but they're not the right person for you. And, and even maybe after you can attempt to talk to somebody, and a couple of times you say, well, I don't, I don't seem to hit it off with this person. He doesn't seem to understand what I'm saying. Well, then seek somebody else, right? It's not always easy to find the right person. Okay? It's interesting that St. Teresa of Avila, uh, you know, was such a great saint, and she spent large parts of her life looking for someone who could understand her, understood what was going on in her spiritual life. So we, we maybe have to put a little... Uh, effort into that as well. But it's well worth it, you know, if we get good relations with somebody who can really give us guidance, uh, it will be a great benefit toward trying to come closer to God and trying to bring other people closer to Him. A recollection is a good opportunity to get to know ourselves. With that goal in mind, we are going to listen to a series of questions. After each question, we are invited to examine our lives in silence. Let's start by asking the Holy Spirit for light. Do I aspire to really know the teachings of the Church well, in order to have a truer relationship with God and with others? Do I set a fixed time, daily or weekly, to study the Catholic faith in greater depth? Do I often read and reflect on the Catechism of the Catholic Church and its compendium? Do I share with friends the jewels that I find there?
John Paul II used to ask for advice about the books he was thinking to read. He wrote, Not everything is valuable and useful. It is important to know how to choose and to consult others about what is worth reading. Do I try to get a moral assessment of the books or movies that interest me? Am I trying to explain to my family and colleagues the advantages of acting in this way? Do I plan my day in a Christian way? Do I foresee when I am going to read the Gospel, pray the Rosary, or make an examination of conscience? Do I have a plan of life, that is, a schedule for my day that includes those moments especially dedicated to time with God? Am I faithful to that plan of life, beginning again as many times as necessary during the day, seeing each heroic moment as another encounter with Christ? Holy Mass makes Christ's sacrifice on the cross present to us on the altar. Do I see it as the most important event of my day? Am I ready to overcome logistic problems, lack of time, and other obstacles to receive our Lord in the Eucharist each day if possible? Do I choose vacation sites that are suitable for a Christian and for family life? On my days off, do I make sure to schedule time for God? Do I teach members of my family to find out, in advance, the time and place of Mass? Do I use these occasions to enkindle the faith of other Christians who, out of comfort or forgetfulness, are neglecting to attend Sunday Mass? Do I value spiritual direction as a kind of school for knowing and dealing better with Jesus Christ? Do I open my heart with simplicity and let myself be known? Do I accept the advice given to me with a conscientious and supernatural spirit? Does spiritual direction help me to accept myself as I really am, with all my strengths and weaknesses? Does it help me to be receptive to the mystery of God's love being poured out to me in all the events and circumstances of my life? Do I pray to the Virgin Mary to strengthen my Christian vocation? 
Do I have confidence that she will protect me at the hour of my death? We can end our examination of conscience by telling God that we are sorry for our sins and thanking Him for His merciful love. This recollection will end as it begun, with a meditation led by a priest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We continue our evening of recollection here in the presence of our Lord, really, truly, substantially present under, under the appearance of bread in the monstrance. The first meditation was centered on the need of formation, the need, the, the means we need for our transformation. Yesterday at Mass, we read those words of our Lord, your words, Lord, that we can read also recently at Mass in the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Words of our Lord in the Gospel of Matthew. Come to me. Come to me, all you who, who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. For I am meek and humble of heart. It's also in, in the Gospel of Matthew where we find these other words of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown, to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. And the Lord continues, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Of the world. When we talk about formation, is formation the, we could say another word for formation would be education, to carry out the mission entrusted to, our, to, entrusted to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, 
is in the Gospel of Matthew, the last very words, the very last words of the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus tells the eleven, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that they have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. I am with you always to the close of the age. And in order to go and make disciples of all nations, we need to be salt, we need to be light. And we know we are not salt, we are not light. But you, Lord, you want us to become salt and to become light. And that's uh, like, like the goal of, of, of formation. There is a story in one of the biographies of Saint Jose Maria. Uh, there is a story of um, something that happened during the, uh, during the Second Vatican Council around the year must be uh, 63 or 64. And uh, we read there that, um, well, Saint Jose Maria didn't participate personally, directly, in the work of the Second Vatican Council, which, as we know, went from 1962, and it was closed in 1965. Blessed Alvaro del Portillo participated directly, but he didn't participate directly, but he received many of the bishops and cardinals, people working at the council. And in one of his biographies, we read how one of those days, a group of French-speaking prelates, French-speaking bishops, met with Saint Jose Maria in, in Saint Jose Maria's residence. And they were talking, it was something that was very much present during the work of the Second Vatican Council, and as it has been afterwards, about the role of laity. So one of those days, one of, uh, one of a group of French-speaking bishops remarked that it is the role of the laity to infuse the structures of the temporal order with a Christian spirit, in order to transform them, to transform the structures of temporal order, to transform society, is the laity that has to be there. Lay men, lay women, something which is very much of, of what Saint Jose Maria had been preaching since 1928. And Apparently, he commented, you know, one of these French bishops mentioned that, and Saint Jose Maria said, if they have a contemplative soul, Your Excellency, otherwise they will not transform anything. Rather, they will be the ones transformed 
and instead of Christianizing the world, the Christians will become worldly. If they have a contemplative soul, if they are men and women of prayer, if they are men and women whose lives are centered in Jesus Christ, and in a very concrete way, not just talking because they know how to talk about Jesus. It's important to talk about Jesus, but if we want, and yes, Lord, we, we want to change the world. We want to bring your light and your flavor. We are salt and light. We want to bring your light and your flavor, the light and flavor of Jesus Christ to the world. But that's not done. We don't, we don't learn that in a self-help book. We have to read, we have to study, yes, but we don't become salt and light. Yes, reading or learning techniques to be salt and light. We will be salt and light to transform the world, to bring you, Lord, to the world, to society, if, if our life is centered in you. Uh, in that same biography, uh, as, a, in a, as a footnote of the paragraph I just read, it says that a little later, someone who was present writes that a little later in that conversation, someone affirmed that the proper mission of the lady is to order secular structures according to the divine will. And the, and the founder, Saint Jose Maria, quickly added, yes, same idea, yes, but first they themselves have to be well ordered within, being men and women of deep interior life, souls of prayer and of sacrifice. Otherwise, instead of bringing order to those familial and social realities, they will bring their, they will bring their, their own personal disorder. In you are the light of the the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Saint Mark tells us about the calling of the of the twelve, and there is a particular there is a phrase there that gives us light for for the topic of this second meditation, which is the plan of life. And now, if someone doesn't know exactly what the plan of life is, I will, I will explain it. But St. Mark tells us this, and he went up into the hills and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve. He appointed twelve to be with him and to be sent out to preach. It's interesting, the sequence. He doesn't appoint twelve 
to be sent out to preach. Yes, he sends them out to preach. But before that, to be with him. Like saying, if you go out to preach without being with me, you will, I mean, your, your preaching, all your activity, activity will be useless. And that's the case for you and for me now. We are, we have great desires, great desires to go out and preach, to do, and to do and, and to bring souls to Jesus Christ. But before that, we have to be with you. We have to be with you. And not just because once a year we make a retreat, which is an excellent thing to do. Or when Lent comes, I make a special plan of prayer and sacrifice. Good things to do. But because day after day, day after day, I have a plan. A plan, a schedule that includes time to be with you. That's the reason to have a plan of life. And I think that one of the temptations, maybe sounds like a commonplace, but the temptations of our world is activism, yes, activity, activity, activity. And the world, the church, need contemplative men and contemplative women. That proclamation of the gospel making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that, that mission will be carried out effectively by women and men whose lives are centered in you. Men and women for whom, Lord, you will be, you are, the center order of their lives. Otherwise, otherwise, it will be just running, running, running. Without, without fruit. It will be the, also an example from the gospel when our Lord stops and sees the fig tree because he's hungry, looking for a fig, and he finds leaves. Nothing. A plan of life that we follow day after day to be with him, to be with you, Lord. In the way, at one point, at one point Saint Jose Maria writes, if you don't have a plan of life, you will never have order. If you don't have a plan of life, you will never have order. And this is assuming, of course, that 
uh, assuming that, that we want to carry out your mission, that we want to be apostles, that we want to go out to preach the gospel, baptizing them, teaching them, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this now, in the year 2020. Because if we were to forget about your mission, say, well, I, I am a very ordered person. I have, and we see people, maybe without faith, we are very orderly. But we had one more reason to be orderly. And in that order of our day, time, devote to you, Lord. Time, moments, exclusively devoted to you. That happens in human relations as well. Uh, It's one of these things you hear, maybe students or young men or young women living uh, living far away from their parents and they certainly love their parents but if you were to ask their mom or their dad do your son or your daughter call you frequently very often i mean not always but they would often well no they he doesn't call me often enough Or, or, or you hear it from, you know, from the son himself. So, you know, I have to make an effort. And how is that solved usually? Well, put it in your schedule. Put it in your phone. Sunday evening or twice a week or three times a week, whatever. At that time, I call my mother. I call my father. If you don't put it down in your schedule, in your daily schedule, in your weekly schedule, does it mean that you don't love your father or your mother? No. I mean, again, these are men who love their parents. But they are so busy that they forget to call. And something similar happens. We need, we love you, Lord, and we want to love you more. But because we are very busy, unless we put day after day in our, in our daily plan, we establish and we fix those times, those moments that I'm going to devote to you. Otherwise, they will not happen, those moments. And that plan of life has like two feet. It's one of the you just heard the, the talk on spiritual direction. And that's one of the topics to bring to spiritual direction. My plan of life. How am I going to organize my day? What moments and what I'm going to do in those moments that I devote exclusively to our Lord? But I would say, yes, simplifying. And again, each one should look in spiritual direction, how to do it. But there are like two feet of the plan of life. Not counting, I mean, I'm talking about the plan, because the plan of life, of course, includes also work, time for family, etc. But yes, time devoted exclusively to our Lord. And those two feet, sacraments and prayer. Sacraments, a life 
centered in the Eucharist. These days, these past few months, most of you, it has been a trying time because most of you have not been able. Your lives, our lives, I've been able as a priest to celebrate Mass every day, but being very Eucharistic, but you haven't been able to participate in the Eucharist, in daily Mass. Now that the Mass is more and more available, let's make the resolution of taking advantage of that availability to attend Mass, possibly every day. Mass and the devotion to the real presence, times of adoration, if possible, the visit, maybe, maybe a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, or if possible, again, if possible, spending some time adoring you, Lord. St. John Paul II said that in, in, of those times spent before the Blessed Sacrament, how he had always drawn strength, consolation, and support. Sacrament of the Eucharist, the Sacrament of Penance, and then prayer. Just to finish, uh, in the way St. Josemaria writes each day, try to find a few minutes of that blessed solitude. You need so much to keep your interior life going. If possible in church, now it may not be possible. The church may be closed, but putting ourselves in your presence and opening our heart with you. Those moments of prayer include also reading of the scripture, the gospel, the New Testament. And another element of prayer, and this now to finish, the rosary, that traditional devotion to Mary which is like a compendium, a summary of the Gospel, is like reading the Gospel by the hand of our Mary Mother, or our Mother Mary. A plan of life. A plan of life because we want to be salt and light. And we need to cultivate that friendship with you, that love with you, with an established plan every day. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. That's all for this month. Stay tuned for our next monthly recollection. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please, don't forget to share it with friends. Thanks for listening.